Welcome to Talking Health Tech. My name is Peter Birch. This is a podcast of conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With me today is Joel Friedlander. Joel is the founder of Clinico, who's a practice management software used by more than 30,000 people in over 70 countries. Joel has a software development background and started Clinico with his wife, who's an osteopath, back in 2010. As many organizations around the world grapple today with the concepts of adapting to remote work in light of social distancing requirements, Clinico has been doing it for over 10 years with an entirely remote team spanned across the globe. Joel also has some rather unique company norms, policies, and ways of doing things at Clinico, which I'm sure we'll delve into more throughout the show. Joel, how are you? Um, good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. No worries. And this is the debut uh, live stream podcast. And so for anyone that's familiar with Talking Health Tech, uh, it's a podcast that you can uh, check out at, at talkinghealthtech.com. And uh, I'll share the... Uh, but, but also, uh, if you've not attended the live stream webinar, which we're on now, um, then you can listen to that through any of the podcast mediums that, um, that are available to you. On the live stream webinar as an attendee, you're not just going to sit there and it's not just going to happen to you. You can also engage and you can then shape the direction of the conversation too. So we're really putting it out there to everybody to, to um, speak about what's relevant to us and to you. Um, so there, there is a chat section. There are questions you can ask for Joel. There's a poll section, which is open right now. There's a poll open on who you are. Um, and what I'm going to do as well is, is put another question to everyone about your thoughts about uh, working from home. So that poll's just gone out now. Um, now, so Joel, firstly, wh whereabouts are you joining us from? Where are you located? So I'm in Hillsville, about an hour east of Melbourne in Australia. Cool, cool. Um, so, so just just to set the the scene, then before we get started and really stuck into things, set the scene. Um, tell us the story of Clinico and how that all got started. Sure. So, we started building it almost ten years ago now, um, <clears throat> where I was working previously as a software development manager in a small software company, and was looking for a change. And actually, around the same time, we'd taken out a loan uh, against our house to do a renovation um, and kind of came to the conclusion with my partner at the time, now wife, um, who's an osteopath, that instead of renovating the house, we could use that money and I could quit my job, survive off that money for a while and try to build something out that she thought and I thought there was a need for, which was some new software for the allied health uh, sort of market. So I quit my job and just, <clears throat> so yes, yeah, so I started, um, started building out Clinico, just working night and day, uh, you know, every day on, on building the software. And it took about seven months to get a, a first release together that we could put public and start charging some money for. And that was back in June, 2011. Um, so launched that. It was cloud-based from the start, software as a service, pay as you go, um, and, and quite simplistic at first launch. Moving, assuming, I, like, because you've told me all about the the, the introduction and how, how Clinico has come about. Yep. Moving on from there, though, so what was the, the, the vision in, initially for Clinico and where are we at today? So it's been a 10 years between when it first started to where it's at now. How have things kind of gone to the path that you, where you thought it was going to go? Sure. Um, Definitely didn't go the path uh, I thought it was going to go, but I think that largely I was lied to by my partner early on where she was like, you should build some software for clinics. It's super simple. We just need to be able to write notes and book appointments and that's it. So like when I started it, I was under complete false impression of what was required. It was only even once I got started that I realized we'll probably invoice and payments is a thing. 
and really started to uncover a lot more as we went along. So the initial idea was something quite simplistic. And, you know, we're 10 years in, we've been developing it nonstop. There's now a team of almost 40 people working on it. And we're like not even scratching the surface of where we want to get it to and what's still to be done with it. So I think that, you know, in the early days, I had a very naive view on what was required to build some software for this industry. Um, but, you know, it's come a long way since then. It's already evolved, you know, so much since the early days. And I think, you know, still so much more to come. But it's, you know, it's been a surprise to me to get to this point. And I have no doubt what comes next to surprise again. That's always a surprise, especially in this current climate. So I could take this down two parts, but I'm going to go down the non-technical product route for a second. So there's the, you know, you could tell me all about uh, what's changed in Clinico and the needs of of clinicians, but I'm going to go down the route of just understanding a bit more about the company culture, the structure, all the the interesting stuff for the people. Um, So uh, just set the scene. How many staff have you got now and where are they all based? I think we're at 38 now. Um, we've got approximately 10 in Australia, maybe 10 to 12. I don't 100% know um, offhand. And then they're, they're really just spread out around the world. We've got quite a few in the US. We've got in Canada, got in Brazil, Portugal, UK, um, Malaysia, really just all over the place. Uh, as a virtue of when we do hire, we just look to find the best person we can find, irrespective of location. So we, we just put a job ad out there and we're not looking for, you know, where you live. We're looking for what you can do for us. Yeah, that, that, that's always a thing, isn't it? It's the, you know, when, when you're hiring and, and recruiting people to work within an office, your catchment pool is only as big as the, the area that you can, the people that can work from that office. Yeah. Whereas all of a sudden, if you start going remote, then your catchment pool is the world. <laughs> so Exactly. And I think that a lot of people, like, they really aim to hire the best people but they put constraints in front of that that means that can't be the case. If you're hiring the best people of a small pool of people that are looking for a job at the same time you're hiring, that live near your office and have the right skill sets, that's not a lot of people. You know, I know that if we're hiring and we're hiring locally only in Melbourne, we're going to get maybe we get 10 to 20 applications for a job when we put out a job application, a job ad. Last time we hired, which was just uh, would have been the end of last year, we had 5,000 people apply to work with us in that hiring round. Mm -hmm. And so when you get that sort of quantity of applications come through, you really do get to be picky and you get to find some amazing people at the end of it. So what are the types of people that you're trying to find to, to, to build Clinico? Is it all just developers? Is there some customer support? Is there, what's, sure. what's the mix? So I would say there's probably maybe five to eight people in the team that don't fit into the role of development or support. But for the vast majority, our teams almost split down the line between development and support. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're, you don't have any offices or anything like that around. They're just working from wherever they are. That's right. Almost everyone's working from home. Some people might go to a shared workspace or probably not at the moment, they're not going to, where they may have worked out of a cafe or, or something like that. But really, everyone just looks after their own workspace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and for, for those listening to the podcast later like of this, um, then, you know, th- this is recorded around the time of COVID-19. I say that as if it's going to be a short thing, but I've got a feeling this is going to be around for a while. And so most people are going to listen to stuff around this time and know what's going on. But also everyone who's attending the live stream webinar, they know that, that that's going on. And many people were looking at looking at the poll um, 
everyone who's listening right now is working from home. So um, uh, thank you for dialing in right now during your probably your work day. It depends what what your time time zone is, um, but it's it's really interesting to get that insight. Um, most people are at health tech companies and some healthcare professionals and some others. Um, so you know that's good to know. I, I'm interested to know from people if we were to publish the next poll. It's almost like looking into the uh, um, uh, into a crystal ball, but. Uh, you know, because you can't forecast anything at the moment, but interested what the, the group thinks in terms of how long they'll be working from home for. If the majority of people uh, and uh, are now already at home, I'm kind of speaking about the COVID thing right now in terms of like how this will impact organisations who weren't previously working from home. Um, but we can see here already that, you know, the responses are coming in around the probably waited more to anything around one to three months. And then a lot of people are saying six months or more. A couple of people are saying two two weeks to a month. So a lot of people are saying six months or more. So this is something we're going to have to grapple with all the time, Joel, like for a long time. Um, the, the obvious question then for organizations that have been around for a very long time or have just always operated in the way of being everyone in the same room or, you know, we we built many offices, especially around Melbourne, there's some awesome offices around that, you know, this, this open collaborative spaces where you can walk over to someone or look at their screen and kind of chat to them. Surely that's got to be a more effective kind of, you know, place to work compared to like a, a work from home model. So how did you kind of come to like think of like this is going to be definitely the way that we go? So I, I guess I'd start with this open collaborative walk over and look at someone's screen environment sounds horrendous to me. That does not sound <laughs> like a, a productive, good place to work. That sounds like a place where you get interrupted a lot and there's a lot yeah. of noise and there's a lot of distraction. Uh, really, you know, I started working from home when I started with this business by necessity. I, I didn't have nor couldn't afford an office, so I started from home. And we did dabble and have an office for a brief period of time that not many people used because it wasn't superior to working from home. But I think there's a few problems with an office in general. One is that, and we see it with our team all the time, everyone likes a different workspace to work out of. Everyone's got different needs in a workspace. There's different things they have around them for inspiration and different environments they work better in. And it's very hard to have an office to cater to all those individual needs within your business. You know, I, I think that if you manage to put together 20 people that had exactly the same needs from an office, then maybe it can work out for you. But that's quite unlikely. I think that, mm -hmm. that, you know, that's a big part of it for us. And I think that also, you know, the work that probably everyone listening here and, and your audience is doing is going to be creative work. And maybe that gets underestimated sometimes where if we talk about creative work, people might think art, music, something like that. But really, if you're not doing mechanical work, you're probably doing creative work. And there's a lot of lessons learned in the creative fields about inspiration and getting in the zone and getting your best work done. And I think that applies to the sort of work that, you know, people listening to this will be doing also. So setting up your environment to be how you want it to be an inspiring environment, whether that's quiet or it's got noise or it's spacious or busy or minimalist or whatever it might be, letting people dictate their own office space, I think, is a really good start for that. Not to mention, I think there's plenty of people that don't even want the same office space all the time. Maybe they want to sit on the couch sometimes, sit at their desk sometimes, go to a cafe, whatever it might be. And the actual mixing it up in something different all the time, you know, is inspiration and stimulating for them. How do you, how do you deal with, um, say, dealing with clients? So that like internally, people working in, in within the business, that's fine. You could, you could be anywhere and doing anything with clients. You know, you, you want to be able to present a, a sense of professionalism and be able to engage with them as much. So how do you deal with that? Um, 
Look, honestly, I think professionalism maybe is a bit overrated as well. I, I think that it's a funny term that doesn't have such a distinct meaning. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in work where people turn up at a workplace and they put on their business persona. They talk differently. They use different words than they'd normally use at home. They behave differently. They certain, certainly dress differently. So it's almost like a charade you put on when you go into the workspace and you put aside who you really are. And I don't think that's necessary. So when we talk about professionalism, often we kind of mean pretending to be someone you're not or behaving in a way that you don't normally to try to look like a business person or behave like a business would. And I think generally as a company, we don't really do that. You know, I certainly for myself feel like I'm Joel when I'm at home and with my family and I'm the same person when I come to work. I, I don't put on a different thing. I don't become a, a jerk and become ruthless or cutthroat because now this is business. So uh, mm. perhaps, you know, we don't actually strive for the professionalism that ordinarily people would look for. That's really interesting. And then so if, if I look then for like one of the other kind of major concerns I have as a health tech vendor or anyone really working within uh, this space would be uh, around privacy and security. You know, you're dealing with people's healthcare information, um, and and as a as a business owner, sometimes you know someone might be concerned that will look you know how can I, I guess it comes down to trust of like, you know, or, or ensure that, or, you know, all my, I'm uh, entrusted to, uh, with a system that's holding people's healthcare information. And then I've got like a workforce that's out, you know, working from anywhere. How do you kind of put controls around that? Well, I think uh, for a starting point, ideally, no one in our team is like accessing healthcare information anyway, unless, you know, in the support team, they're particularly requested to do so by a customer. And then we do it through our secure online mm. system anyway. We've built tools into Clinico that our support team use. So it's not like they're downloading information to their computer to do something with it. They have tools built right into Clinico itself for us that lets them log in, make changes, access things, and you know even request access from the customer formally before they're to do so. So I think a big part of it is the technical solution to it, that you know when we're working with health data, it should be the same security we're giving to our customers to store their health data, uh, which is how we do that. But as far as like sort of a remote workforce or, or people around, generally speaking, um, in order to have enough technical restrictions in place and sort of tools and things that are going to stop anyone doing malicious, you're going to get to a point where it's prohibitive to, uh, to anyone to do their job. So I think the best thing you do really on top of the, the technical implementations you have is make sure you actually have good people working in the team, people with integrity, make sure they like their jobs, make sure they care about their customers. Because ultimately, in most places, if you have someone wanting to act malicious, they will find a way to do something bad. So I think mm. there's the two parts of it that we look after, and it's making sure we've got good people in the team, and then also making sure our systems and processes are set up in a way that they're not accessing stuff on, on local machines or anything anyway. Yeah. And if I was if I was an employee of Clinico then, um, you know, I... I've, I've looked around obviously on your website and, and know of a few things. I don't know why, but I just do, um, you know, of, of a few of the, I guess, somewhat unique or a little bit different kind of ways that you guys do things. Or, or let me phrase it differently. If I was to work at Clinico, what kind of a culture would I expect or some of the norms that um, I would normally see in some organization that I wouldn't see with Clinico? Sure. Um, I, I think you'd be surprised to see how friendly the team is, especially considering it's distributed and remote. Uh, people often assume that that would be quite disconnected and you'd feel like a contractor and not really part of the team. But the, the mm. people in our company and the people in our team are like better friends with each other than I've ever seen in any company I've worked in in an office. 
they know each other better, they chat more, they, they really have uh, bonds and relationships with each other like I haven't even seen in an office environment. I think that the um, another thing you would say is that people just really care about the work they're doing. And I think it's because we remove some sort of artificial and abstracted things that are your goals. So if you're in a company where you've got a manager, so we don't have managers as one of the concepts. So if you're in a company where you've got a manager, ultimately your job starts to become appeasing that manager or doing the work that that manager wants. And that manager ends up holding a fair bit of your sort of accountability and responsibility to them. You know, if the manager's team doesn't perform well, it's that manager that's going to be accountable to the higher up levels. So often, you know, you're sort of accountable to the manager, but they see the bigger picture and they've got the bigger accountability to the company. And I think stripping that away from the people that are doing the work can be a bad thing. You end up, you're trying to tick boxes, you're trying to meet your KPIs, you're trying to deliver a specific granular task that you were given because your manager asked you to, as opposed to sort of seeing that big picture, understanding why you're working on what you're doing and being entirely accountable and responsible for it. So I think that creates a different work ethic. I think that creates more ownership for people on, on the stuff they're working for. They, they, put in, they have more creativity uh, around what they're doing and they just care more about the work that they're completing as well. And, and I think that becomes really obvious for people in our team is they're just a collection of people getting work done that are passionate about what they're doing. Love it. Sounds like a good place. Sounds like a good place. Look, if, you know, we're in a current environment with COVID-19, most people are now working from home, have to adapt to that kind of model. Would it be safe for me to assume then it's just BAU for you guys? Almost. So certainly the the work from home aspect, uh, we're well prepared for. And I think there's a lot of companies that are having trouble adjusting to that because they don't have their systems and processes in place for it. So work has got a lot slower for them and they're spending a lot more time on sort of the plumbing and pulling things together than getting the work done. So we don't have that aspect of it, but like the world is crazy right now and every single person in our team feels it. So, you know, whether it's personally and in their families or for themselves or whatever it might be, everyone's stressed, everyone's anxious. There's a, there's a ton of uncertainty going around. So even if our way of working hasn't changed, like no one's having a similar day, you know, at the moment, like they would normally. Totally, totally. A lot of people, like, you know, as we've indicated previously, um, a lot of people are working from home now on the poll. I'll put out another poll while we're here too chatting is that what people think of remote working, you know, whether people think it can be just as effective as um, uh, when they're at work or, have, you know, whether they need to have both a mix of working from home and working from with an office environment or whether it's just not a viable option. Already some of the, most of the answers coming through uh, are all weighted towards, you know, your, your position on that, Joel. So, and it's not all Clinico staff who've joined, so which is <laughs> it's a good mix of other people. the results. <laughs> but look, it's got a good mix. And there's a couple coming through for that middle ground. Around, but um, definitely no one's saying at the moment that it's uh, that working from home is simply not a viable solution for the long term. So it, it's a model to, to certainly consider. Just generally then, so we're, we're going to put it into context of, of now, looking, thinking at one of the questions that came through from, from Dan is, um, do you think that this pandemic is big enough to change the telehealth landscape in Australia or do you think things will go back to normal after? Um, um, so, so I'm not sure. Um, I think it's going to come down a little bit though, that a lot of people are going to try it. You know, we know for sure a lot of people are going to try it. We've seen that already with, with our Clinico community. A lot of people are setting up for it right now and maybe it'll come down to how well people manage to do it now. 
if a lot of people try it and they're not prepared and they don't do a good job of it, then at the end of this, people will probably come out of it saying telehealth's a bad idea, it doesn't work. If they manage to embrace it in the right way and have success with it, then probably that's something they can integrate into their business long term. You know, I don't think that everyone's turning into a full telehealth organization, but it's an asset and it's a tool you can use. If you've got patients that can't travel to your clinic, if you've got, uh, you know, people with disabilities, uh, senior people, whatever it might be, or you want to offer healthcare to remote areas uh, in your country, things like that. I think there's times when telehealth is essential. So maybe these clinics that try it now will then offer it as an additional service long-term if they have success with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, and just a reminder to anyone else, if you want to ask some questions, you can do that in, the, in a separate kind of section for questions there too, and we can answer that. We can even bring you up on stage if you want to uh, have your, your, your face shown up on video. So, so then so, so to Clinico specifically, just on that telehealth point, I, I saw some comms go out that you guys are, have been working quite, uh, quite madly on, on something to release pretty soon in relation to telehealth is that right yeah that's right um we've kind of been talking a lot to our customers about telehealth and we think that it's one of the big things that could help keep them in business over the coming months so uh, we, we had a look at potential integrations but ultimately we decided to build something into clinico directly so we we have been working pretty crazily on that and it's looking most probable to have it launched before the end of this week okay great great so so that's that's pretty quick. Um, oh, Dan's followed up with a, a question of, do you think telehealth could go backwards? I wonder if I can try and uh, bring bring Dan on stage and we can have a bit of a chat. We'll, we'll invite him up and see what happens just to really kind of test that. I'm already having bandwidth issues, but you know what? Let's really just push the tech to the next level. This is, this is modern day podcastism in real time. So who knows? Hey, Dan, how are you going? Good. Thanks, guys. How are you? Good. Thank you. Excellent. Well, yeah, Joel, I just wanted to jump in. You know, saying, you know, yeah, yeah, this, you know, planning to fail or not planning at all. Um, you think if people don't implement these telehealth uh, protocols properly, is telehealth going to go backwards after COVID-19? Yeah, yeah I, I think there's probably a similar analogy. I've been thinking a lot. It looks like there's, um, there's been a lot uh, of people working from home now, and I wonder the same thing. With a lot of people working from home now, if they don't have a good go at it and they do it poorly, is that going to be a setback for working from home in general as opposed to maybe this is an opportunity for companies to see that working from home is a good idea? And I absolutely mm-hmm. think the same with telehealth. The problem with it now is ordinarily if you're going to move into telehealth, you might spend months planning it. You might research a lot of tools. You set up some processes and uh, policies in your organisation train your staff, go to some seminars, all these things you might do to implement it in a successful way. And right now you're not. Right now you're scrambling and maybe in three days' time you're offering telehealth to your patients. So it's absolutely a risk that um, it, it goes badly and is a negative for it long term. Thank you very much for that. We can. Uh, I'm just looking through here. Uh, there is that's – a, that's a timely question from Eva – and she's mentioned, how's, how's the internet going to handle the traffic? And the irony of that question is that my internet crashed while I was trying to, uh, to actually host a webinar. So that's, uh, that's pretty interesting. Um, Joel, I'm not sure if you can hear me or if I can hear you. But I can if you hear can, you. Um, uh, have you got a response to that? 
Yeah, so I, I don't know. The, the hardest thing on the internet, see people working from home and doing work in general is going to be minimal impact to the internet. We're not transferring a lot of information. The, the slowest and biggest thing that goes over the internet is video. That's what's sending the most information. So certainly, you know, you could think telehealth's going to have an impact, but I would uh, greatly, greatly expect the amount of telehealth that happens over the next three months will be nothing compared to the amount of Netflix and, and online streaming that happens in the next few months. So if the internet struggles to keep up, um, I, I think it's going to be entertainment-wise, not telehealth or anything like that. Totally. Um, look, another question's come up in relation to, you know, the, the work from home model and an interesting one. There, there's, there's a question around, you know, how you deal with face-to-face staff. So firstly, do you have any, any staff who, or, or any customers that have a need to, to deal with you face-to-face? Generally, generally, no, we don't, but that could be unique to the type of business we are. We, we don't really do much. Personally, like, I'm not a huge fan of meetings, um, but when I do, I do them over video call. Uh, I, I like that a lot more than doing an in-person meeting anyway, and that's, uh, you know, not even just during this time for social distancing. I kind of um, I keep to that practice year-round. But I think part of it is if you're going to have a meeting with someone and you do it face-to-face, there's a lot of inconvenience to doing a face-to-face meeting. And I'm not just talking like there's the awkward handshake and and bits that occur in person, but I mean, like, you've got to travel to this meeting. You might have a half an hour commute to get there. You know, you have your meeting, you're going to have a half an hour or more commute back. You've got to put some nice clothes on, perhaps, whatever it could be, but there's inconvenience to an in-person meeting. And we kind of compensate that by making making these meetings longer to be worth it. So you don't go meet with someone in person to have a 10-minute meeting, even if you've only got 10 minutes of things to talk about. You will make it an hour-long meeting and buffer it out because otherwise it's a waste of time. Whereas if you have a video chat with someone online, there's no problem making that a 10-minute chat, talking about what you need to and moving on. So I actually think that there's like some real advantage to video calls and removing some of the inconvenience to a meeting to allow you to be more effective in them. Um, There's a few more questions. I'm just going to check... Robert's got some other. Yeah, if you've got the other, uh, if you can speak to the other point about IP, that would be great too while I try and sort out my bandwidth issue. Yeah, sure. So IP, if you're talking about writing code and who owns the code, you can have a, an agreement in place with people no matter where they are in the world. Uh, there's nothing different with that. So we have an employment contract that everyone in the team signs that uh, applies the IP of the stuff they work on with us to us. Um, but ultimately, I even think for a business like ours, ironically, we're a software business. So the code for Clinico is quite important, but it's a fraction of what Clinico is overall. There's so much more to it. There's the hosting, there's the support, there's the branding. There's a lot that goes around in Clinico, and I think the code's just one part of it. I don't even think that if someone else had our code base, that all of a sudden lets them do the, the same things that we're doing. So we do have protections in place with IP to cover legally, but I also don't feel like it's the most critical thing. Uh, and customer support, um, I think it's an advantage. You know, we have people in the UK, in the US, in Australia, across all time zones, and that lets us do 24 hours a day support without having anyone work abnormal hours. And I also think there's like a, a little extra benefit for people around the world is you get a lot of cultural differences, different cultural backgrounds, and that adds a lot more to the, the culture in the business and also the thoughts and perspectives you get when it comes time for decision making. So even, you know, sort of accidental, an accidental benefit, um, but it's been the diversity we've got in the team as well. Eva, your question about uh, how to about is it possible for Clinico to have a house? So this is really about Clinico now. So it sounds like there's a few Clinico users on here, which is great um, opportunity for you to kind of speak to some of those uh, those points. So is it possible for Clinico to have a how-to telehealth for customers ready to go to speed um, back 
to get to speed up back to work yeah. for you. So really, how, how to do telehealth. Yeah, I'm planning to do a couple of videos on the telehealth stuff, and I think this is going to answer um, Joel Brown's question as well. So for clinical customers, I think I'm going to have a one-minute video that is here's how you get ready and working in telehealth in one minute. And uh, if you're not using Clinico, um, I expect I'm going to have a five-minute video that's here's how you sign up for uh, Clinico, set it up, and get ready for telehealth in five minutes. But basically, it's super simple. It's going to take no time at all to be ready to go. And that five minutes would include having your own website to take bookings, as well as having the telehealth part of it um, inside it. So we'll have video um, guides. Probably, I think I'm going to do the first two ones. So we'll have some kind of ordinary videos up first, and then Rachel from our team who does really nice videos, we'll do one soon uh, and that'll be um, even easier to follow. Perfect. Um, and, and that really speaks to a point too. If I was a you know a clinician listening to this as well and and uh, or, or just anyone really as a software vendor, um, you know, thinking about, well, I've got to, I've got to now adapt to this world where I've got to deal with people um, remotely really and I haven't really previously done that. And, you know, even watching this webinar, we've had technical issues. And so when, you know, as a, as a physio or a, you know, one of, one of an allied health provider, um, technical isn't really their thing to deal with. And, you know, you've got, you know, me who I'm wearing headphones on my head so I must know what I'm talking about and and you as a software developer it's on my side but it, 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 the professionalism isn't there and it's hard and it's awkward how do you kind of help someone do, like because that must be anxious for someone who isn't really this isn't their bag how do you what are some really simple things and, and I guess that's going to be part of your your how-to but if you were to kind of distill it into like one or two really important things to think about what how would you simplify it for someone that's entering this world I, I would say have a fallback so if you're going to do telehealth and you're going to do video chat and for whatever reason you're having technical issues just jump on the phone and do a phone call just make sure you've got some sort of fallback you're happy with so worst case scenario isn't so bad I should have asked everyone for their mobile phone number then I could have just dialed everyone into this webinar but you know that's I've learned for the second one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but look, um, you know, to, to start rounding things out then, Joel, it would be, you know, really good then from your side for to, to, to learn out like from the telehealth side of things, is there anything else in Clinico that's kind of coming up? What's your focus for the next kind of three to six months? Sure. So in general terms, our focus is whatever Clinico needs to do to help our customers stay in business for the next few months, because I think that's everyone's priority right now. Uh, so this week, um, we're very confident telehealth goes live. We're pretty confident that payments for online bookings goes live, which is another thing people are desperate for right now. Um, we're, we're working on really anything that's going to help them do remote consultations right now. So any features that sit around remote consultations and not requiring the person to come into the clinic is our focus for the moment. Fantastic. Well, look, uh, everyone, we'll leave the chat open and, and we might go for questions uh, for any, if anyone's got any final questions before we wrap up the webinar. And anyone can, I've got one more poll, which I didn't use too, which will be good to know, which will be what kind of role are you in? So we'll put that out now. Whether you're on the coal face, you're part of middle management, you're a senior manager, full-time student. There we go. We've got a little bit of a, oh, we've got a few executives. Okay. So it's really interesting to to see that kind of, that blend of, you know, there's there's executives and managers within the health tech space that are listening in, that think we'll be working from home for more than six months. And they're pretty pretty okay with, you know, it, it can be just as effective as, is that there's there's some concerns, but I think everyone's got concerns at the moment. So, and I've got a feeling that working the working from home model is is of concern, but it would be one of the the less 
um, concerning things. Joel, what would be uh, one of the questions that have come through, and we might use this as the final question to round us out, um, some of your favorite integrations that Eva has asked. I'm not sure if that's an integration with Clinico or if that could just be anything in general, but uh, yeah, it sounds like she's referring to integrations with Clinico, but, uh, but I need to abstain from picking favorites with it. We have a lot of companies that have integrated with us uh, and adding value for our customers. So uh, I, I won't put that nice. on them. And then, so then to broaden that question out then, um, some of your favorite tools then from a productivity point of view on your computer to keep you most productive while working remotely? So for us as a company, Slack is key. We use it for team chat. We use it for video calls, um, sharing some files, all sorts of things, almost like a, a place to do mini projects as well. So Slack's been big from us. Microsoft Teams would be very similar. And then we use Trello as well when we need to break out a task and have sort of to-do list for it. But um, probably as far as general tools, they're the only two that we lean on heavily. Amazing. And that's and you've, you've been given the approval by by Eva that that, question, that answer was okay in relation to integrations. Amazing, Joel. Look, I, I appreciate your time in joining and your patience in uh, the technical issues. And I, and I extend that thanks out to everyone that's joined in too. We got there in the end and uh, we, we, we hopefully learned some interesting things as well. Um, there's some other questions coming through. We might end the, uh, the video portion, but we, we can do some chat stuff afterwards. But um, uh, thank you so much for joining everyone. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Talking Health Tech. My name is Peter Birch. Go check out the website, contribute to the forum, listen to other episodes and get in touch with feedback about the show because collaboration starts with a conversation. Speak to you next time.